Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Senio. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. DLF family of podcasts. That is James the Brain. Guys, quick question. Which fan base appreciates Dan Bailey more today? Is it the Minnesota Vikings or is it the Dallas Cowboys? That <laughs> is Travis the Beard. Hey guys. Hey, what happens to a cop when he gets in bed? He becomes an undercover cop. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a pretty bad one. <laughs> <laughs> Got a pity laugh on that one from me. I am John, still rostering Byron Leftwich in Dynasty, and it's about to pay off, Hogue. And this is a Super Flex Super Show. Week 7, and so far Week 8, will be remembered for everything that happened off the field as big-name players are on the move. Carlos Hyde to a reeling Jags team. Amari Cooper to a Cowboys team desperate for offense. Plus, injuries ravage the running back position. And midseason means it's quarterback controversy time. So much going on, but we'll boil it all down for you in this week's Superflex standard operating procedures. But first, what did we learn this week? Travis? First thing I learned this week is it turns out that Cleveland is actually cursed. Mm-hmm. Like, I think by a witch or something is what I read somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Ch- Chandler Catanzaro, he's not a good kicker. He was the Arizona kicker for years, mm-hmm. and he, he couldn't make anything for us. And then <laughs> this weekend he makes, was it 56-yarder for the win? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it 56? Mm-hmm. Yep. Come on, man. Chandler freaking Catanzaro. He had a I'm pretty sorry. bad I'm miss sorry. right before that, in all fairness. Yeah, he's he's not good. Yeah, I I I'm really sorry, James. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. I you're not telling me anything I don't know. We have to sacrifice a goat to to lift this curse. I've known this for a while, but the Cleveland people just won't do it. So we'll we'll keep working on it, man. Keep signing petitions. I think that might qualify as a death threat on Adam Thielen. I am not threatening Tom Brady. It's it's fine. <laughs> All right, the next thing I learned, this one's for you, John. Case Keenum is a bottom five starting quarterback in the NFL. He is he is bad. He is not good at playing football. <laughs> he's bad. Oh, man. In a league where Derek Anderson has a starting job, Derek Carr still has a starting job without any wide receivers. And that's probably fair to say that Case Keenum is bottom five, at least right at the moment. Yeah, that includes uh, Brock Osweiler as well, bud. Yeah, well, I mean, not many, not many people are out playing Brock Osweiler right at the moment. It's <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so the the problem for the Broncos too is they just won forty five to ten and just saved everybody's job. So that was there's there's 
sometimes there is a downside to winning. And uh, yeah, Case Case Keenum just bought himself a few more starts with that win, even though he didn't have a lot to do with it. All right, so this week I learned that the Jaguars are about to wave the white flag. So get ready for seismic fantasy impact. I'm going to talk about Leonard Fournette later, but I have a feeling he gets shut down sooner rather than later. We already saw Blake Bortles get benched this week in favor of Cody Kessler, and Kessler actually played quite a bit better. Blake Bortles gets the starting job back, but for how long? Man, there's just there there are a lot of moving parts there. I and I could I could also see some defensive players start to get shut down as well as this season just completely unravels on them. And next thing you know, this is a this this is no longer a fantasy matchup to avoid. So there, it's going to have a pretty big impact on fantasy. Like I said, if and when the Jaguars call this a completely lost season, and it feels like we're headed in that direction already. And then this week I learned that fantasy running backs are in fact a commodity. There's no reason to pay a premium. I mean, at this point, we've already lost most of the high-end guys. And even the ones who are playing, I mean, some of them have been rendered completely useless. We're, we're seeing these guys missing time for injuries. We just had Melvin Gordon completely screw most of us from, from foggy London town. And it it just it's just going to show right now that there's there's very little incentive to start early on with running backs. I mean, you got it right if you got Gurley, Kamara, kind of Kareem Hunt. He's starting to come on now. Kind of Christian McCaffrey. You know, a few of these guys are are giving you what you expected. But I mean. There was maybe a maybe a seventy five percent hit rate in the first two rounds with running backs, and it just goes down from there. And then right around the fifth round of your drafts is when the hit rate started to come way back up. So zero oh, running so back is is alive and well. Th- this is the week that you discovered that, huh? This is the week that you learned that, John. <laughs> well, I, that, that's interesting. The... That's, that's interesting that it opened your eyes this week. This is such a. Uh... This is the week where I felt comfortable uh, reminding everybody that I've been saying it all along, I guess. Oh, okay. The <laughs> humble brag. That's what that was. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I will point out, however, that um, you could take this one of two ways. You could take it the way that John just, just kind of put out, or you could also take it that handcuffing is very important because if you had Latavius Murray, you really didn't suffer too much with Delvin Cook going down. Same thing with, to this point, T.J. Yeldon. You grabbed him and you had Fournette. That really didn't hurt you too much. Um, same thing with Melvin Gordon. If you had Austin Eckler, you, you you probably could have started both those guys for a good period of time this season. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that you're right, though, John. I mean, there was a lot of misses early in fantasy drafts at the running back position. Uh, but I think there is a couple different ways that it could have been handled. So um, definitely an interesting observation at this point of the year, though. So now we'll go on to what I learned, and I learned that the bad teams in the NFL are separating themselves much more quickly than the good teams are. I can name off the top of my head five to seven bad teams right away. Good teams, I mean, it's tough. I mean, let's just start in the NFC. Is there anybody in the NFC East that's any good? I have no idea because the Eagles don't look very good. The Giants, the Cowboys, the Redskins, I mean, I 
I have no idea if any of those teams are any good. You go to the NFC North, I don't know what the Packers are. I have no idea if they're any good. I don't even know if the Vikings are any good, to be totally honest with you. The Bears, I'm not sure. The Lions, I, I, I have no idea if any of those teams are any good. The only two teams I can say with certainty that are any good are the Saints and the, the Rams, but that's it. I, I think there's more than two good teams in the NFC. It's just we haven't found out who those teams are yet. Whereas the bad teams, I mean, you can list them right away. I mean, you could go um, right to that uh, to that NFC South and go Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Seattle, um, to pretty much anybody in the NFC East. I don't think the Giants are any good. I mean, just looking at it, you can name the bad teams a whole lot quicker than you can name the good teams this year. It's going to take a while, I think, for the good teams to separate themselves from the pack. So um, that that's one thing I learned this year. And uh, this week, rather. And uh, the last thing I learned is that playing at home means a whole lot less than it used to. Look, road teams really dominated this week. And when you kind of look back at it, it that home field advantage isn't what it used to be, and especially for certain teams that it used to be pretty special, like Green Bay. Um, there used to be some teams that you would go into their building and it would be really hard to get the win. And this year, it's proving that that's not the case. So it's, it's interesting. I would definitely, um, you know, look at that. Uh, for some of my matchups fantasy wise, well, they're on the road. I don't know if I really like that. Whereas now I'm looking at it an awful lot less because road teams are, are getting wins and are staying competitive to the point where, you know, you don't, don't have to avoid the run on the road because they might be in it um, just, just as much as they would be if they were at home. So uh, another um, kind of observation that I've been kind of following throughout the year. And it seems like this week kind of, kind of, slam that point home that uh, that being at home doesn't mean as much as it used to. Those are both really interesting and actually, uh, for fantasy purposes, pretty important and pretty relevant, I would say. Um, I, I, both of those just kind of indicate to me that there are a lot more viable plays on a week-to-week basis uh, with uh, with that going on. Um, the fact that you don't have to worry so much about, you know, this this player, this team, unless it's Ben Roethlisberger, you don't have to worry about a player being on the road nearly as mm-hmm. much. <laughs> and uh, you don't have to worry quite so much about matchups. So those are both really good things for fantasy. But let's get to the Superflex SOPs standard operating procedures is what that stands for, by the way. So... We're going to start with the uh, with the ad drops for this week. We're looking for three players from each of us, all at different positions, with 33% ownership or less on Yahoo, and uh, and then also some players that you can drop to make room for those pl- for those pickups. And as always, let's start with Travis. All right. So my first one here is Raheem Mostert. Uh, he is 13% owned. You guys can re- you guys can correct me on that pronunciation if you what's his name again? Raheem Mostert. No, the last name. Mostert. Okay, thanks. Yep, I said it four times now. <laughs> Were you uh, you just wanted to know so you could pronounce it correctly, James? No, no, I just enjoy you pronouncing it or trying Mostert? to pronounce it. So. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Let's. Yeah. I'm not going to make the must start joke because that's been that's been killed already. Um, anyways, Matt Breda can't seem to stay on the field. He's missed playing time in essentially every game this season. 
uh, including this last week. He aggravated his ankle issue. He missed the second half, and Raheem Mostert came in and looked pretty darn good, and he produced statistically as well. Uh, he is the upside option here in this backfield. Alfred Morris looks like he's pretty much done. Uh, he doesn't have much juice left there. Um, Mostert saw just seven carries, but he took those for 59 yards. And when they started trailing, which was pretty much all game, he was the one that took over in the passing game out of the backfield. He caught all four of his targets. So I think that while Breda is out, I think Raheem Mostert is a legit flex option for us. And that could be a couple weeks in a row here. I So, yeah, I think that he would be towards the top of the priority list at, at running back. I like one of your guys' other guys more, but we'll talk about him in a second. All right, next up I have Traquan Smith. He is currently 17% owned, and he did not have a huge game this last week. He had just three for 44, but what we saw this game is that he's the number two wide receiver on the Saints, and that's pretty clear. Uh, Ted Ginn is on IR. Um, Six targets for Traquan Smith last week, but Drew Brees only attempted 30 passes, so that's pretty darn good market share for those targets. And um, maybe even more importantly, Cameron Meredith didn't see a single target. He's the other guy that's in contention for that, or was in contention for that number two wide receiver job. And Traquan Smith outsnapped Cameron Meredith 53 to 18. Um, so in in future games that are more high flying and in better matchups that aren't against the Ravens, I think Traquan Smith could very easily enter the starting conversation for us. Last guy I have here is Michael Roberts, tight end for the Lions. He's zero percent owned. Uh, it's not my favorite ad, honestly, but you guys took most of the good ones, so he's on here. <laughs> um, yeah, we did. <laughs> Michael Roberts. I mean, he's he's everywhere. He's available everywhere. Literally, he's not owned in any leagues. Uh, and he was an offseason and preseason uh, hype player. I mean, everybody was talking about who is going to get the Eric Ebron work. Michael Roberts was towards the top of that list. And before this last week, he's been practically invisible all season. And this week he just saw three targets, so not insanely involved, but he did look good and he caught all three of those for 38 yards and two touchdowns. So with the tight end position the way it is for fantasy right now, two touchdowns can't be ignored. Uh, I don't think it probably continues, but, you know, he's worth a pickup because tight end is pretty sad right now and he could he could be involved. I love Michael Roberts. Dude, yeah. When I was watching film on Kareem Hunt before he came out, Michael Roberts flashed, man. I mean, you you just saw him making plays on that film, and it was crazy to think back to, man, this guy's really good. He should get drafted. And uh, when he went to Detroit at the time, you know, he was behind Ebron. He, you know, I mean, that depth chart didn't it, it worked pretty tough for him. And then this year, it kind of kind of I you know I was buying into that offseason hype. I really thought. This this is the time for this guy, and uh, it's taken a little bit, but I think I think that that opening that he had and that that opportunity that he had this last week, he didn't want to slip through his fingers. So I think that was that was huge. I I really like Michael Roberts, man, a lot. I just dropped nice. him. <laughs> I just dropped him in one of my leagues. Oh to, no! Yeah, uh, to pick up uh, Dwayne Allen. Yeah. So um, don't. How did he do? 
ever do that. Well, he <laughs> so <laughs> on one hand Don't he got he, he got hurt early on in that game. Uh, so Dwayne Allen, New England Patriots, Gronk was out. It looked like Dwayne Allen should be the number one tight end, and then he got hurt pretty early on. But then come to find out, I mean, he's never done anything in relief of Rob Gronkowski. So, yeah, not only did I pick up a totally worthless tight end whose value, if anything, plummets when uh, the guy ahead of him, you know, is is out of the lineup, but in order to do it, I dropped a guy who just scored two touchdowns in the tight end premium league. So, yeah, that pretty much cost me a win. All right, so that's it for the pickups. A couple guys I think that we can easily drop at this point. First is Naheem Hines. We just don't really need to hang on to him anymore. We can't start him anymore. He had a couple of good games there where when when no one else on the team was around to catch passes, uh, but now they're not using him. He has five touches and six touches the last two weeks. Marlon Mack is playing well. T.Y. Hilton is back, and Naheem Hines' role is disappearing. I think we can safely drop him. And Nelson Aguilar. Why Nelson Aguilar is still 67% owned is beyond me. He has under nine PPR fantasy points in four out of the last five games. His upside is practically nothing. I I would not be wasting a roster spot on Nelson Aguilar. Stop telling me to drop Nelson Aguilar, Travis. He will die on my roster. Do it. Do it. He will. He will. He will be there <laughs> well, forever. These are, I mean, these are obviously forever like, and ever. These are obviously redraft drops here. I mean, you're not dropping Nelson Aguilar in Dynasty. Yeah, I still don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can part with him. I, I almost feel like the Eagles' problems stem from the fact that they can't get anybody else involved outside of the tight ends. And I feel like if they could get Aguilar involved, that would really help an awful lot with that offense. So. Uh, man, it's, it almost it, it's seems it, it almost seems like Aguilar's production is getting funneled over to Dallas Goder now. Yeah, it, it just seems like that type of offense that the Eagles are running is hurting them. I, I just, I mean, sixteen targets to the tight end position—that's uh, insane. That's, that's that's. I mean, you're running two tight ends. Uh, you know that that often the ru- the rushing game isn't working, but. You know, they didn't really get a whole lot out of the rushing game, you know, early in the season last year, and they were still effective. Um, I just feel like they need to get more out of the outside. Um, Elshon Jeffrey's performing, but Aguilar isn't, and they don't have anybody else really at the wide receiver position that's contributing. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. They got to, they got to fix a lot in Philly. It's uh, that that was pretty eye opening too this past week. Yeah, and that's another one where, I mean, in a very winnable division. It's still starting to slip away from them altogether, just the idea of even making the playoffs. It's it's a little too early to say that for, with the defending world champs, but, man, it, it feels like it's headed in that direction. So I'm I'm down with this drop just for the fact that, I, I mean, I, I, I get it in James's case. This is, this is a little bit more of a man crush type scenario, I think. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, now might be the time to start cutting bait on some of these guys on on teams that are headed in the wrong direction but let's get some ads and drops from you james yeah for sure well my first ad is kyle walletta and look this ey thing like i you can say in new york uh, all you want that 
we believe in Eli Manning, we're behind Eli Manning, blah, 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 blah. But eventually you're going to be like two and seven and you're going to have to figure out what you have behind Eli Manning because if you don't have anything, you're going to have to draft someone. So you can you can say that you're behind Eli Manning all you want, but eventually it's going to come to the point where you're going to have to figure out if you have something behind him. I, I really like Kyle Alletta. I I feel like any quarterback that can process you know information quickly and can get the ball out quickly and accurately in this offense is going to have success. I mean, you're getting it to playmakers like um, Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Barkley. I mean, you. There is too many playmakers on this offense for this team to be this bad. And uh, and so Kyle Wawada, to me, is is the guy who's going to get an opportunity um, sooner rather than later, uh, regardless of what they're saying there um, in New York. Next running back, I uh, next pers- uh, player I have is a running back. It's Chris Ivory. And we saw Vashaw McCoy go down with an injury. We saw Chris Ivory come in and average 5.1 yards a carry. And they in a game that the Bills scored five points in. Um, I think Chris Ivory is is uh, going to be a usable fantasy running back from here on out. Even if McCoy comes back healthy, I don't think this is Buffalo. You know, is going to just run him into the ground like they have been. I think they they realize that you know some sort of timeshare is going to be needed to keep him healthy this year. Um, so I think Chris Ivory is going to be usable moving forward. So I like picking him up. Uh, next guy I'm going to pick up is Christopher Herndon. And last uh, last week I had him on my. Uh, my uh, next week, this week list, and um, this is a guy who performed again. You know, he he uh, he caught another touchdown there for the Jets. Um, he really looks like he is starting to uh, to find his footing as a starting tight end there. Um, the Jets, you know, I, Sam Bradford's going to use that tight end a little bit here. Um, he used it even when he was in USC. Uh, so I, I think that that's a good position for Christopher Herndon. I don't, I wouldn't expect. Huge numbers, but I mean, two weeks in a row with a touchdown, um, you know, you can expect 30 to 50 yards weekly, um, you know, on three to five receptions. So I think with the tight end position being where it is now, that's rosterable. That should be on someone's roster. So um, those those are my three ads, my drops. Look, Nate Peterman's got to go. If you have him rostered, even in a super flex league, you, you just cut bait with him. It, it, even if the guy does play, He's he's never going to be good enough to to put in your lineup. I mean, you're you're better off. He's one of those quarterbacks where even if he starts, you're still probably better off starting a position player. That's that's how bad Nathan Peterman has been. He doesn't protect the ball. He doesn't get opportunity. They started Derek Anderson, who they just signed off the street over him. So it, it's time to cut bait with Nate Peterman. And uh, the next one is running back C.J. Anderson. I don't know if anyone's still holding this guy, but. Curtis Samuel kind of got a little bit of a run there and uh, and showed that he can he can do a few things. C.J. Anderson is 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 not a guy who I would be keeping on my rosters, whether it's Dynasty or Redraft. I don't think he's a guy that's heavily owned, but a guy who in Dynasty might be. And I I don't think he's even worth a spot in Dynasty at this point. I don't I, I think there are several backup or you know number two backs that are better than him at this point. So. Um, I don't even think he's rosterable there. So, um, yeah, John, what do you think? I'll give you a few guys here real quick. So I've got a quarterback. I'm I'm going with Cody Kessler. He replaced Blake Bortles very briefly against the Texans this week. Blake Bortles does have the starting job back, but that also might be a, a pretty tenuous one. I I'm not convinced that Blake Bortles is going to be able to hang on to that job, and especially when you pull a guy like that once that it, it makes it really hard 
for him to go back out and and you know in perform in a way that uh that you're going to be satisfied with so i have a feeling that cody kessler gets back on the field uh sooner rather than later he did look pretty good he's one of the better backups in the nfl in fact so you know it's it's definitely worth worth a speculative ad here he's zero percent owned even in in super flex leagues and uh you know a, a starting quarterback in the nfl is always worth a roster spot in a super flex league a running back here's the here to me this is the number one priority this week jalen richard 24 percent owned in uh yahoo fantasy leagues marshawn lynch goes on ir jalen richard is the is the only other guy who has had a defined role in uh in that Raiders backfield. He's been the pass catching change of pace back. And I think that his workload increases. Um, He, I don't think that he becomes the lead back. It sounds like Doug Martin probably gets the most work on, uh, you know, early downs and short yardage, but Jalen Richard is, has already had a role in that offense. And I think that it only increases from here. And uh, he's, he's been, he's really been pretty good for fantasy anyways. Um, and now with uh, a little bit more work, um, plus Amari Cooper is now gone from that offense, which means there are a couple targets every game, <laughs> one or two targets every game uh, to be spread around somewhere. And why, <laughs> why not Richard? Sometimes uh, two targets, sometimes 12 <laughs> targets. We never know. Yeah, exactly. And then wide receiver Danny Amendola, 10% owned. And the big thing for the Dolphins is they just got ravaged with injuries. Brock Osweiler was already looking for Danny Amendola quite a bit. Um, he's uh, quietly led the team in targets since Brock Osweiler took over as quarterback. And I don't think Brock is going anywhere. Even if Ryan Tannehill does get healthy, I don't know how you replace Brock Osweiler at this point. But now Albert Wilson likely headed for IR. It, or is he already on IR? I'm not even sure. Don't tell me that. Don't put that evil on me, John. I know. I, yeah, that one would hurt pretty bad for me. Um, and Jakeem Grant also banged up. Danny Amendola was was uh, he was injured as well, but um, his is uh, his is pretty minor. Looks like he'll be back, and uh, he'll be the number one option, I believe, in that Dolphins offense. Uh, going also, forward. real quick, I just want to add, they play Thursday night, so they have, like, no heel time. So um, anybody that got hurt on Sunday um, outside of, like you said, Amadola is expected to practice. Um, but outside of that, I mean, anybody else who got hurt, I mean, they don't have any time to get healthy. So um, just another point in Amadola's favor for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kenny Stills also is is out gonna miss some significant time if he's not on IR so yeah that's a I mean Devontae Parker actually becomes he's gonna be on the field <laughs> that's, all, that's as far as I'm gonna go with no, that yeah that's okay a, good that's, that's all I'm that's willing to say as far as it needs to go yeah Devontae Parker will be on the field so do with that what you will and then a uh, guy that you can drop is Marshawn Lynch again he goes to IR um, he's eligible to come back in nine weeks so right around fantasy championship time, he he's eligible to come back, but I don't know why that why they would do that. 
Uh, I kind of think that he's also probably droppable in Dynasty. Um, I I think that this is probably it for Marshawn Lynch. I, it doesn't sound like he makes the move with the Raiders to uh, um, out of Oakland and to Las Vegas. So, I I mean I think that this is probably the end of the beast mode era. So yeah, go ahead and drop him to make room for some of these guys. All right, so let's move on to the buys and sells. These are guys owned in 60% or more of Yahoo leagues. So they're not they're very unlikely to be available to you on waivers. Uh, but these are guys that you can buy low on in uh in trades and some guys that you can sell on uh, while they still have some value. And we'll start once again with Travis. All right. So my first buy is Dak Prescott. And everybody thinks that he's bad at football, and that's fine. But what he has shown us the last two weeks is that he is physically capable of providing fantasy points that are worth being in our starting lineup. So that's good. We haven't seen that from him in the past 10, 12 games or so. Uh, Now he gets Amari Cooper, which isn't the reason why I put him on here, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Um, I have a feeling we'll talk about Amari Cooper more in a minute, James, but Dak Prescott has the third easiest remaining strength of schedule for quarterbacks the rest of the season. And if he keeps running the way he has the last two weeks, he's got that floor again in his arsenal. And so I think that he couldn't end up being a uh, a low end QB one for the rest of the season. And you can get him for pretty cheap and super flex right now. My next buy is David Johnson. And it's basically three reasons. One, Mike McCoy and his trash offense are gone Two. He has the best strength of schedule for running backs for the rest of the season. And three, he's good. Pause for reflection. I just like, and three, <laughs> he is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I like that one. I'm I'm curious to see what this uh, what this offense is going to look like with Byron Leftwich, but also, I mean, yeah, man, I mean, uh, this the the schedule can't get really worse. lightens up. Yeah, yeah, that I I am actually okay with that one. Very okay with that one. Looking at this schedule, yeah, I mean after the bye, they've got one. Well, the fantasy championship is against the Rams. That's kind of tough. Beyond that, though, his toughest matchup is the Green Bay Packers. It's at Green Bay, and they're 18th best at stopping the run. So. That, that's, I mean, very middle of the road, and that's the toughest defense he's going to see for a while. Yeah, it could could be a much better second half, but we'll see. I mean, the offense still isn't good. It might be better, but I doubt it's good. Um, so he, he's probably still capped, but I think that, you know, you can get him cheap enough to where there's some upside there. So for my cells this week, I am going to go with all of the Colts. Uh, I started off I started off this list with just Marlon Mack. Uh, I think he tops the list here. Uh, and basically, I mean, it makes me sad because I was a champion of Marlon Mack in the in the draft season. I, he was one of my favorite late round running back targets or mid round running back targets, whatever. Um, and it took it took a long time for that to start panning out. But the last two weeks, he has been fantastic for fantasy football. But I just don't – I don't – I think he's been too good <laughs> for for who he is and what offense he's on. He's been extremely efficient. He's been he's been getting 
a bunch of runs basically every week where he'll go for three to seven yards without getting touched. And I don't know that that lasts for the rest of the season. That offensive line is still very bad. The Colts have never shown that they can or will commit to the run. So I, I think that just because of how big these last two weeks, especially this last week, were for Marlon Mack as far as fantasy points, I think that you know you can get probably potentially quite a bit for him right now. Um, so I'm on board with selling Marlon Mack, but I also ended up adding T.Y. Hilton, Eric Ebron, and Andrew Luck to this list as well. And this is obviously strictly redraft um, because the Colts' strength of schedule is absolutely brutal for the rest of the season. Andrew Luck has the worst strength of schedule rest of season. T.Y. Hilton, Hilton has the worst strength of schedule rest of season for wide receivers. And Eric Ebron has the worst strength of schedule rest of season for tight ends. And he also has to deal with Jack Doyle coming back soon, which shouldn't matter because Eric Ebron is significantly better than Jack Doyle. <laughs> But it does add to the reasoning to sell Ebron a little bit because Jack Doyle is going to siphon off more targets from Eric Ebron than Eric Swoop has. So I think that the Colts have been playing well and all of their offensive skill position players have been putting up fantasy points. But I, I think we should use this window to get out while we can. Not a must sell, especially on Andrew Luck because he's still really good. But if you can get you know top dollar for these guys, I think it's a good time to do so. Yeah, and yeah, I'm selling luck too. That's a good no point. Way. Nah, I know you are, James. Get <laughs> yeah, out of here. Yeah, I knew I was gonna get crap from you. Well, no, that that's what you said though, right? You said sell Andrew Luck. The rest In of the Colts are fine because of his schedule, not because of how good he is. Yes. So sell Andrew Luck. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just throwing the ball so much that I I I you could definitely sell high if you can upgrade, but. I I don't think that I'm gonna do it just to do it, but um, his arm's gonna fall off. <laughs> oh, stop it! Nobody listened to James. He's irrational. <laughs> that's, why they, that's why they put Brissett in for any throws over fifty oh, come yards. On. That was four just saying. Ago. <laughs> just saying. Uh, I shouldn't have put him on there. I I take it back. Just because James James doesn't deserve for me to put him on that list. <laughs> you said sell all Colts, even Eric Ebron, which I'm on board with too. You know what? Sometimes we got to so man up. Sometimes, sometimes we do. So, Andrew, what? Gotcha. <laughs> John, hate, why don't we go to you? Uh, Who are you buying and selling at this point? <laughs> I hate I hate you, James. I'm sorry. We're on John now, man, Travis. You could talk on your turn. That, that Colts offense really tears apart this podcast. But, all right, here's a few guys for you. So, first of all, buy Stefan Diggs. Right now, he's getting overshadowed by Adam Thielen's unsustainable pace, um, despite the fact that Stephon Diggs is actually out-targeting Adam Thielen. So, yeah, eventually, I, as much as I love Thielen and it's so fun to watch him do what he's doing, there's no way that he keeps going over 100 yards and a touchdown every single game. I mean, he would obviously shatter some records if he did that. And uh, I just... I, I, I don't see that happening. So from there, I mean, the way that you kind of sort this out when one of them isn't on a ridiculous hot streak is follow the targets. And that's going to lead you to Stefan Diggs. You can get him pretty cheap right now because people think that Adam Thielen is the end-all, be-all of that offense, and and it's not the case. And then by Deion Lewis. How dare you? He is so good. 
Who? How dare you, John? Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. Okay. How dare you besperch the name of Adam Adam Thielen? Especially you, Mister Draft Capital. Doesn't matter. And Adam Thielen's undrafted. And man, I can't believe you. Oh, it I has expect, nothing to I do expected with draft you, capital. I expected you to be championing the Adam Thielen is the best wide receiver in the league mantra, not not talking trash about him. <laughs> you disappointed me, John. You disappointed me. Yeah, good. Then uh, I know that yeah, really hurts your feelings because you value you value my opinion so highly. So it probably really hurts you to know that you disappointed me. <laughs> yeah, Try that on Twitter. Of, see what happens, John. Try I've just kind of accepted that. <laughs> I, I I never know when it's coming, but I know that it's coming. So. Yeah, I just kind of write up this, and I, I I do my entire write up based on the idea that these are just a bunch of landmines for Travis. I don't know which one is gonna be the one that goes off, but one of these for sure. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna be this one. Dion Lewis is my other buy. Derrick Henry vultured some catches and a touchdown uh, in London against the Chargers, but Dion Lewis at this point is really the only competent piece in that entire offense you might be able to get him cheap based on the fact that like i said derrick henry just kind of vultured some some very obvious Deion lewis work uh this past week the only way that that offense can turn it around at all it's going to start with Deion lewis i mean i've been kind of i've been calling for the offense to turn around now for several weeks and they keep showing signs like every other week, they kind of show a glimpse of what they could be. And I think that we saw what they could be against the Chargers. Um, but uh, it, at some point, I think that that becomes sustainable. And it starts with Deion Lewis, by far their best offensive player. And then you can sell Leonard Fournette. The season is slipping away for the for the Jaguars. Fournette looks like he's going to miss another month. Either this becomes just a lost season for Jacksonville and Fournette lands on IR because there's no reason to reactivate him when, when, and, and throw him out there and let him take more damage to a pretty fragile body anyways, uh, when you're not actually playing for anything or he does come back and shares a committee with TJ Yeldon and Carlos Hyde. I don't think that, that Fournette, especially with the injury issues, can keep Carlos Hyde off of the field. I really don't. Um, or TJ Yeldon, for that matter. I think that's a three-headed monster that you want nothing to do with. And then T.Y. Hilton, you can sell him as well. Uh, he's got one more opponent outside the top 12 versus wide receivers. I won't go into that too much because Travis already talked about the Colts in general, but T.Y. Hilton specifically, I think, is a guy that you want to sell right now. Yeah, I'm I'm all about selling Fournette, but the problem with selling him is you're selling him so low. Um, I almost I almost want to wait until he comes back and has a has a decent game before I'd sell him. But your point's well taken. I I think that's probably a committee moving forward, John. So I I definitely agree with the reasoning for it. Yeah, he might um, actually so, in in Dynasty he might be a a buy low type of guy for a, like a rebuilding team. But in redraft, yeah, I mean, just get him off your roster at this point. So I actually have tried to buy in Dynasty and sell in redraft, and I was unsuccessful in both this last week. Um, really? the, the, the Dynasty, the guy was just not at all 
discounting him at all, like at all. And in redraft, I offered Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon for Nick Chubb um, before the game, like as soon as the trade happened with Carlos Hyde, and I got shot down pretty much immediately. Wow. Um, so I don't know what kind of value there is in redraft, and I I don't know what kind of discount there is in dynasty. It's one of those weird situations right now. I mean, obviously those are just you know two one-off type of deals, but yeah, it it did not go well. I can yeah, see that's that, interesting. Though. I I could see that with Chubb. I would have a hard time making the same move when it comes to Chubb. I mean, they're just they're going in such opposite directions right at the moment. Yeah, and, but it was before Chubb. It, w- it was before this last game. Yeah. So which, I mean, we didn't even know. I mean, we all knew, but theoretically, the guy that picked him up for free off waivers didn't know. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, this guy picked yeah. him up and still wouldn't. He picked him up for free off waivers and and wouldn't trade him for Leonard Fournette and T.J. Yeldon. I thought that was pretty crazy. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's I mean, to he, me, that's he made the right move. <laughs> yeah, it's a savvy move on his part. To yeah. be totally honest. I mean, I think that Nick Chubb's value probably actually took a little bit of a hit by the fact that he didn't just run for 200 yards and three touchdowns. I think his value was probably at his highest right after the Carlos Hyde trade and before he actually started this game. So I, I, it might be a little bit of a different story if you tried it now. That's going to be my guess. But let's get some buys and sells from James. All right, so my first buy is we're going to go back to the Cleveland Browns offense, which makes me happy. I, I'm buying David Njoku, and look, he is he has become a target monster with uh, with Baker Mayfield in there. He's getting targeted a lot. The Browns keep losing, but quietly they have a very easy fantasy schedule moving forward. They have Pittsburgh this week, um, and that's that's a nice matchup for not only tight ends but just passing offenses in general. Then they play at home against the Chiefs, and then they play at home against the Falcons. I mean, these these are defenses that are giving up points by the handful. These are these are teams that you want to be playing. David Njoku has a really really plus schedule coming coming up here. I'm buying him especially in redraft, but even in dynasty. I mean, this is a guy who it seems like his arrow is pointed up with Baker Mayfield starting. Uh, Mayfield's definitely using him, and in this offense, it looks like the tight end's going to be usable. So I, I really like David Njoku moving forward. This is a guy who started the season slow. You might be able to buy him now and really reap the benefits uh, for the next few weeks here. Next guy I'm buying is Chris Carson. And look, Seattle just came off a bye. Um, they have a plus schedule moving forward for the rushing attack, and he's still easily the best back in Seattle. Um, you know, a lot of times people will say, you know, the bye week will help the the younger running back, the rookie, you know, kind of gain his footing. He gets an extra week of the playbook and, you know, trying to work through things. And that might be the case, but Rashad Penny still has to pass Mike Davis at this point. Um, so I'm, I'm not worried about him as a Chris Carson owner. I would uh, I would be happy to, to go buy Chris Carson elsewhere now. Um, like I said, you know, the schedule's looking forward for him. Um, getting Doug Baldwin back is only going to help. And uh, I think this offense getting healthier and having uh, s- some good uh, run defenses to go against here is going to help Chris Carson uh, out. So I'm, I'm looking to buy him selling. Uh, Blake Bortles, I mean, look, he's still not good. He was never good. Um, he's starting, but the word is is he's going to start this week, but he's going to have a very short hook. Um, this might be it for Blake Bortles. I mean, if he if he struggles, 
Cody Kessler might end up getting that starting job. And like John, like you said earlier, Cody Kessler is one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. And I believe that too. He might not let that go. I mean, Blake Bortles might find the bench and might be on there for the rest of the season. So um, I'm definitely selling him now. Uh, you know, while I can still possibly get something for him because he's still a starter. Next guy I'm selling is Amari Cooper. Look, everyone is losing their minds over this trade. Oh, he's going to Dallas. Oh, he's out of Oakland finally. Well, he just won himself a second straight bye week, which, yay, I mean, if you own him, that's great, right? And then, you know, he gets traded to the Cowboys. They already have a quarterback who you know, is, is suspect when it comes to accuracy. Um, I, I don't know that Amari Cooper helps that. Um, he's never been, I, I mean, he doesn't have the greatest hands. He's not a guy who's going to win over the middle or win short routes. He's a guy that you got to get the ball to down the field. And I don't know that that's something that Dak Prescott's going to do with any type of regularity. So I, I'm selling Amari Cooper because everyone else seems to, to absolutely love the move. I'm not so sure about it. Um, I, I think it's a lateral move pretty much. Um, it, it might slightly be a slight, slight improvement, but it's, it's not, it's not a huge improvement. So, um, yeah, I, if I have Amari Cooper, I'm, I'm shopping him now and, um, hoping that, you know, I can, uh, pull a John Gruden and get a first round pick for him because I would definitely deal him for that. But I, I, pro- I, I take less even, but, um, yeah, I, I don't love the move for Amari Cooper personally. It feels like we should talk more about Amari Cooper, but I feel like you pretty much covered everything there. Yeah, I mean, what's the what's the upside really? I mean, they could go back to just targeting the crap out of him whenever they do throw the ball. Like it's obviously another low low volume passing offense, mm-hmm. but if he gets Des Bryant targets, he he could be useful. Yeah, and he, yeah. but here's the thing too is that. The Cowboys finally this last game used Michael Gallup the way that we kind of thought that maybe they could if he was, you know. Yeah, what's up with that? They finally (laughs) use him that way and he looks great. And and now you trade for Amari Cooper. So I I don't I don't know. Like, it's just a mess over there, in my opinion. I, I, I like this for Michael Gallup. I like this move for Michael Gallup. I like that he's Mm going to see softer coverage. I I felt all along like. But But is he even the clear number two there? I mean, does well, that really help? I mean, I think Hearns works out of the slot. Well, I guess there's Beasley there too. Yeah, right. there's there is kind of a it's kind of a Charlie Fox trot. I'll definitely give you that. But yeah, I I I don't know what that means, John. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> I wasn't in the military, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, me either. But CF <laughs> cl- cluster F. But uh, yeah, I just, just wanted just... you to say it. <laughs> so that I would have to do some more editing. Not happening. All right, so here's the guy that I'd rather talk about, though, David Njoku. I just want to run this by you guys. So first of all, top five tight end in Dynasty yet? It's close. It's but, really um, close to me. Yeah, I don't, I'd have to look at a list of tight ends here. but So, I mean, I, I think the guys that would probably be, he would probably in, be in the conversation with would be, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, George Kittle. Mm-hmm. And are you taking him over any of those three guys? I think I'm taking him over all three. Really? It's close so. with Kittle for me. I'm taking – I mean, I've, I've been pretty low on Evan Ingram for a while now. I'd probably take Kittle and Njoku over Ingram. Um, so, they, yeah, I mean, they're up there for sure. They might be like four and five. 
that's crazy to think about mm-hmm. right yeah yeah wow. it's, it's those both both of those guys made a huge jump so let's get to i mean on on Auden Tate's pretty high up there too. Are you are you done? Are you done? <laughs> Seriously, are you done showboating? Huh? How's his season going, by the way, James? He's all right. So next week, this week <laughs> is what we got next, Sarah John. <laughs> next week, this week, our last segment of the of this episode, and let's get to it. These are guys who are very who are pretty much completely under owned. Uh, and uh, they will be likely waiver priorities next week. You can pick them up this week for virtually free and stash them before they come become waiver priorities next week. So let's start with, as always, Travis. My first player for next week this week is Seth Roberts. He is 0% owned. Uh, obviously, Mari Cooper is gone. Seth Roberts should get an increased opportunity and he could be useful in PPR leagues. Uh, he has seen seven and six targets the last two weeks. And that's pretty much the whole argument there. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Um, he's, not a, he's not a super talent or anything, but, I mean, it's pretty much him and Jordy Nelson and Martavis Bryant. And, yeah, I don't I mean, obviously we don't want to prioritize weapons on the Raiders right now, but volume is king, and he should he should get more of that. Um, the next guy is Tajay Sharp, 0% owned. Um, Sharp had a good game this week, if in case you missed it. Uh, so he might not technically qualify for this list. He might be more of just a this week, this week, instead of this week, next week. But <laughs> I put him on this list because I still think he's going to be super cheap or free um, because people aren't likely to actually buy into this one splash game from Tajay Sharp, and the Titans are going into their bye week. So he'll likely get skipped over on any waiver claims or fab bids. Um, so all that said, I don't expect Tajay Sharp to come in and start wrecking the league, <laughs> but he was clearly the most reliable and consistent wide receiver for Mariota last week. Uh, when he went seven for 101, and if nine targets is in the range of outcomes, especially down the field targets like he was getting last week, I think he should be owned, and I think he could turn into a wide receiver three for us. Kenyon Barner is the first one. It kind of like Tajay Sharp. This might be just kind of an ad now. Uh, just, I mean, you might have to this week. His ownership percentage is going to go way up from 1% because, I mean, with Sony Michelle out, for an undisclosed amount of time with that knee injury and it sounds like it might not be nearly as long as originally thought that was a pretty gnarly injury i thought he'd be out longer but Kenyon barner becomes the the early downs and the between the tackles running back for the patriots he so he probably actually is going to lead the team in carries for the next you know week or two however long sony michelle is going to be out but from there if he's effective he could definitely cut into Sony Michelle's work, even if Michelle is healthy. The Patriots just are, tend to go with the hot hand, and uh, it—I mean—it it could also turn into a Charlie Foxtrot CF cluster F. But for the moment, Kenyon Barner has the best opportunity out of that backfield. James White is obviously the running back to own there uh, because he he catches passes. But Kenyon Barner, especially in a point-per-carry type of league, Kenyon Barner is definitely worth the, the ad right now. Here's an actual 
next week this week guy though i kind of stole this one from travis but i'm just way too excited to mention the name for the first time in several months of chris warren chris warren so this yeah this reminds me of uh in the wwe like i'm i'm just picturing like Derek carr and john gruden just getting stomped by just a bunch of dudes and there's just kind of no hope and then all of a sudden stone cold steve austin's music starts the glass breaks and good old jr screaming by god that's chris warren and he's here to kick someone's ass chris warren is about to come back he had who knows what the hell that injury even was. I don't think he was actually injured. They just didn't have <laughs> the the roster space for him. Now yep. Marshawn Lynch is gone. Your power back is Doug Martin. How long is that honestly going to last? Meanwhile, Chris Warren is eligible to return in week nine. Get ready. This is happening. Chris Warren is going to come in and save that offense. Wow! If he actually comes in and 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 plays in the regular season, I'm gonna be so dude. Yeah, so excited. Yeah. Glass does it shock anybody? And... Does, does it shock anybody that John scrapes the bottom of the barrel to find two running backs <laughs> to, to put on to, to put on your roster that he thinks are gonna be valuable amongst his fourteen other running backs, of which eight <laughs> of them have been waiver wire ads. Three of them were late round picks, and one of them he actually spent a mid round pick on. Like, I, yeah, I, I love it. I do love it though. I, I the Chris Warren call, man. I I want it to happen so bad that I I I just hope you're right. By God, that's Chris Warren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a real slobber knocker. All right, so my my two next week this week I'm starting with Josh Adams. Look, there's a lot wrong in Philadelphia, man. That that Philadelphia team does not look nearly as good as they should. Uh, you know, they they might have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, but that offense should be much better. Part of it is the running game. When JHI went down, that running game has been bad. Wendell Smallwood has not been good as the primary ball carrier. Corey Clement has his role, but he hasn't been great. Josh Adams is a big guy. He doesn't always need a lot of yards blocked for him. He can just kind of move the pile. I almost think that's what the Eagles need. They just need positive yards every plate they hand the ball off. They're not really getting that right now. Josh Adams is a guy that I have a feeling is going to start seeing more opportunity with the struggles of Smallwood and Corey Clement. So starting this next week, I think you start seeing Josh Adams maybe get a little bit more of a role towards the end of the game there, especially if you can start wearing down a defense a little bit by just hammering this guy into the line. I think that really will help them uh, moving forward. So I think Josh Adams is a guy I'd keep my eye on. Last guy is Adam Humphreys, and and he kind of gets lost in the shuffle because, you know, you have – uh, over in Tampa Bay, you've got Mike Evans, you've got Deshaun Jackson, you've got Chris Godwin. Adam Humphreys is kind of the forgotten guy. You've also got two tight ends there. But Adam Humphreys, you know, this last game is really strange because when you look at the target share, it, Adam Humphreys had eight targets. He out-targeted Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, Cameron Braid. I mean, he was third on the team in targets. He was one target behind O.J. Howard. Uh, Mike Evans led the team in targets with 11 Look, Adam Humphreys is seeing the field. He has a role, and he turned those six targets into five receptions for 59 yards. I think this guy is going to play his way onto the field. Uh, I really do. So, uh, I'm sorry, he turned his eight targets into four receptions for 37 yards. He averaged almost 10 yards per catch. Um, I, I, I just think that he's going to continue seeing his way onto the field, and just the opportunity that that presents 
um, just kind of shows you that he should probably be rostered. Um, so this is a guy that moving forward, I would look at maybe, you know, an under the bench type guy um, that, uh, you know, if, if, if an injury happens there in Tampa Bay, that's a good passing offense to be a part of. And you have a, a starting, you know, wide receiver there. So um, Adam Humphreys is a guy that I wouldn't be sleeping on. That's a guy that over the next week or so, you're going to kind of monitor and see how he's doing. And uh, he may be worth a speculative ad as well. Uh, what do you think, John? I love that one. For some reason, Jameis Winston is just locked on to Adam Humphreys, like you said. And we saw this play out last at the beginning of last season uh, before Jameis went down with the injury. And uh, uh, Adam Humphreys was, seemed to be his favorite target. So, yeah, that's a, Adam Humphreys and Cameron Brait. And it's a really random assortment of guys to just be fixated on but uh Jameis is uh he's a different cat <laughs> so it's, so yeah, yeah there it yeah. is I, I mean if the quarterback is telling you that this is the, gonna be the guy who touches the ball a lot or at least gets targeted a lot then uh take his word for it and with that we'll wrap it up for the week but as we do, we're going to ask you for a quick favor to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review on iTunes for us. Those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach, get out to new listeners and more listeners so we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Megafeed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including the Superflex Super Show. And check out Travis's solo podcast, the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show, three times a week, 30 minutes or less, helping you get ready for every single week in season here. And follow us on Twitter, at Superflex Show. You can send us trades there as well. Um, we can retweet them. Uh, we can even uh, comment on them. But help you get more votes. And sometimes we even analyze them right here on the podcast. And I keep saying it every week, but we're, uh, we're, we're working on a new format here where we can get to more of those listener questions and more of those trade poll analyses. While you're at it, follow Travis on Twitter. He's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else... Thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until the end of the week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. Yeah,